The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 125. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papalong is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. Cell phone calling turns 25. The sling player being readied for the BlackBerry and what to do if your car's iPod kit doesn't work with your iPhone 3G. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. And on today's show, we got a couple of reviews here to start off. First of all, the Motorola Rocker E8 was sent to me this week, and so I got a chance to take a look at that for T-Mobile. And this is a, a very unique device in that it's got a what, uh, what they're calling mode shift technology that works for uh, the keyboard to allow the user to only have the keys that are specific to the functions of that particular screen that they're in show up at that time. So, for example, if you're using the phone application on the device, you're going to see all the normal numbers and send and end keys on the phone. But then let's say you switch to the music portion of the phone, and then the keypad completely changes, and all you see there is a fast-forward and rewind and pause play button. And, uh, And then, of course, when you go into the camera, then it shows you different zooming options and how to look at the picture. So a very unique keyboard on this particular device. From T-Mobile, this is very much a music lover's device. Uh, It comes with two gigabytes of storage built in, and then there's a micro SD card slot that allows you to expand that memory as well. So if you're a music fan and you're looking for something besides an iPhone to play all your music on, this is a great option for you. Of course, got a three and a half millimeter headset jack on the top and uh, a very unique thin design. Next here, the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number six was released this week. Joey and I talked with Allie Flowers from Mobility Today about uh, her switching, or excuse me, definitive guide to switching from the Palm OS to Windows Mobile. Went through a lot of different recommendations that she has on making that process easier, as well as some different applications that she uses. So we thank Allie very much for her time on the show. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And uh, Joey, I think, it, I think it turned out really well. I've gotten some great feedback on it already. Had a lot of fun with it. Yep. And it was a learning experience for me as well. So I it definitely a, a good uh, discussion topic. Yep, absolutely. I learned some stuff too. She's definitely tried out a lot of the apps and so she can tell you what works and what doesn't. So check out her guide that we'll put a link in the show notes here too, as uh, well as show number six. Uh, As well as other shows this week, I was a guest on the Wireless Issue podcast. So if you haven't heard of that one, make sure you check that one out. I believe that was number six uh, show that I was on as well for them. So thewirelessissue.com is their website, and you can listen to me in uh, as they interviewed me about everything from, um, of course, you know what's going on with phones to kind of what you need to do for uh, if you're interested in getting into podcasting. We talked a lot about podcasting in general. So the wireless issue was that show. And it was episode number eight. I'm sorry, number eight. My apologies. Um, finally, then we had the uh, the Trio Pro uh, I purchased this past week, and uh, we talked about it on the last show briefly. I had just received it, and so it was. Uh, I hadn't had much time to do much of anything with it, but I had a great opportunity to test it out. Um, 
this past week because I took a trip. And that's, in my mind, one of the best ways to try out a device is you get kind of, it's your lifeline to everything. And it's one of those times where you you really need your device to work well. And so that that was wonderful. I got to to take the phone with me, uh, using it on both 3G and edge networks. The area that I went did not have very good coverage, if any, uh, for 3G coverage most of the time. And so uh, it was good to check out how the phone would operate on, on the slower speed networks. Uh, and then as well as using it for a lot of email primarily. So get to play with the keyboard and, and learn how to use that. And, and just in, in overall impressions of the device, uh, we're, uh, we're generally very positive. So I've got a very lengthy review up that's linked from the cellphonejunkie.com if you're interested in finding out what I thought about it. Uh, you know, I'll just give a quick overall um, it's a great upgrade from the current 700 series devices that are out there, and I would recommend it for someone who is looking for an unlocked uh, front-facing QWERTY-style device that has a, a flush keyboard, which is a change from the previous trios. They, they, they don't have the bezel around it with the recessed keyboard anymore, so that's nice. Um, you know, some a couple of negatives about the device. The keyboard itself, well, good. Uh, I, I had a hard time getting acclimated to it. Uh, it has a, a larger space bar than I'm used to, and I found myself constantly hitting it. I, I could never get past my, my example word is the word give, and I would type the letters G-I, and then every time I'd go to hit the V, I'd always hit the space bar. It, it was just, I don't know if it was just, uh, subconsciously, I thought the V was supposed to be lower, uh, and I was just used to how the keyboard is on the 750, where they've got kind of the more smiley face keyboard versus the straight lines across of this one. But I was always going too low on the keyboard, and I kept hitting that space bar specifically for the V and B letters. So that that was a little bit of an issue. But uh, the camera on it, 2.0 megapixel camera. Uh, for outdoor pictures, it's okay. For indoor and low-light pictures, it's still pretty bad. Um, this is, uh, it's not a camera that you're going to be replacing anything with. It is strictly for taking, you know, outdoor pictures and, you know, photos when you absolutely need to take a picture at the time. Uh, Wi-Fi implementation is very nice in it. Uh, GPS is also nice to see. And then, of course, the dedicated hardware buttons that they have on it for uh, calendar and mail and then the uh, start menu and OK keys are very nice. They did take the soft buttons off of it, which they're doing on a lot of the Windows Mobile 6.1 devices. So if you're used to uh, having those buttons right below your screen uh, that uh, change with the screens, you're not going to have those anymore. You're going to have to actually touch the screen to to press those buttons. So, and I have to say, Mickey, I do that all the time. I never use those soft keys on any Windows yeah. mo- mobile device I pick up. I never touch those things. It's gr- I mean, that's what you have to do for the smartphone edition or the uh, the non-pro version of Windows Mobile. Right. You know, I, I find I found that it wasn't that big of a deal. But if someone is used to them, then then it could be you know a tad on the annoying side if you're just you know not used to what you're what you're doing with those. But uh, overall, it's a good device. It is a little pricey, uh, and we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes on how you can get uh, some better pricing on that device. But I purchased it from Palm, and uh, it was five hundred and fifty dollars unlocked. Uh, and then actually one more thing here before we hop into the headlines here. Joey and I, uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, were guests on the Digital Life radio show, uh, which is done by host Jordan Drake and uh, co-host Jake Brown. And it's a weekly show that they do on AM Radio 1200, which is um, WXIT out of Boone, North Carolina. And so we were the guests on uh, talking all about 
guess what? Cell phones. <laughs> and so we, 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 we had a great time and I uh, appreciate Jordan and Jake's time for that very much. Uh, and you can check out all the information about the show from digitalliferadio.wordpress.com. And you probably knew about it if you're one of our Twitter followers, because uh, we posted up some information about it uh, beforehand on Twitter. And you can follow us at twitter.com slash TCPJ uh, underscore Joey and TCPJ underscore Mickey. And you should be able to listen to the episode uh, probably shortly. Mm-hmm. Yep. At, uh, so check that out, digitalliferadio.com. In the headlines this week, uh, both Canada's Bell and TELUS have decided that they are going to choose LTE for their next-generation wireless networks. They currently both operate CDMA-based networks and said that they will, uh, they will not wait for the arrival of LTE before beginning their network transitions. They will each roll out an HSPA while currently operating their CDMA networks. Their plans have the HSPA and LTE networks in full operation by 2010. This would be a major shift in the use of the, the technology of the GSM derivative. Uh, from their current CDMA, and it will happen on both, like I said, Bell and Telus's networks. So some pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff going up uh, above the border north of us. Uh, Verizon Wireless voluntarily offered to divest another 15 markets in 10 states, bringing the total to 100 in order to entice the FCC into approving its planned acquisition of Altel. Verizon said it will give up one of the overlapping properties and spectrum in each of those markets. The FCC and the U.S. Department of Justice need to approve the merger before it can move forward. The FCC has said this week that free wireless internet services uh, will not interfere. In their final report on the use of the white space spectrum, it stated that the fears of interference are, quote, overblown. The report said that in particular, wireless broadband services can be offered without a significant risk risk of harmful interference. The report also clears the way for the FCC to auction off the airwaves. Some, but not all, of the airwaves will be set aside for this free internet and would cover about 50% of the U.S. population by 2012 and 95% by 2018. The use of the white space spectrum has been uh, uh, fought fiercely by a number of organizations, including T-Mobile USA. Sprint Nextel's Boost prepaid service has cut the cost of calling plans in order to entice new customers. Call costs have been halved from $0.20 cents per minute to $0.10 cents per minute, also to make uh, changes to its $50 monthly unlimited usage plans, but no details were provided uh, for those plans. Plans will be rolled out on a selective basis and not available everywhere as of yet. Cincinnati Bell introduced a new family plan that includes discounts on data rates if two or more smartphones are being used on the plan. The first user of the plan can get unlimited wireless data for $30 a month, and then each additional user pays only $15 per month for the same data access. Adding unlimited text costs is another $5 per month. New software from uh, Aegis Mobility can detect uh, when a cell phone is moving at car speeds and will automatically route all calls directly to voicemail and hold text messages until it determines the phone is no longer in motion. Uh, the software works with the phone's GPS unit in conjunction, in conjunction with the mobile network operator. Emergency calls will always go through. Uh, voicemails and text messages are delivered to the phone once it stops moving. Drive Assist supports Windows Mobile and Symbian-based phones. Well, appeals uh, or an appeals court tosses an ITC ban on the Qualcomm chips. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal uh, Circuit vacated 
a ban against Qualcomm that prevented it from importing certain cell phone chips that infringed upon Broadcom's patents. The ban was negated because the appeals court decided that the International Trade Commission, which issued the ban, didn't have the authority to make the decision that impacted the third parties. Uh, both uh, The dispute is between Qualcomm and Broadcom and has sent the, the case back to the ITC for further review. This week, Metro PCS announced a new service for its customers that allow them to uh, see the identity of callers, even if the callers are not in their contact list. This will let people screen their calls more effectively when an unknown call comes in. Screen It will be included with select wireless packages starting this month and will be an option available to add to other plans. Virgin Mobile USA announced revised rates for calls made to parts of Central and South America. Virgin Mobile customers can can make calls to Brazil and parts of Mexico, Venezuela, China, Hong Kong, Japan, and Taiwan for only two cents per minute. Calls to Argentina, Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, Mexico, Bangladesh, India, South Korea, and Thailand are five cents per minute. Virgin's customers can also have the ability to send text messages in Spanish and have it delivered as a voicemail in Spanish to a landline recipient. T-Mobile continues the rollout of its 3G AWS 1700 MHz Spectrum network across the United States. T-Mobile added Sacramento, California. Um, uh, Memphis, Tennessee next week is coming. Tampa, Florida will be also added. Uh, T-Mobile announced that Washington, D.C. will be added in November. This brings the number of markets up to 92. All right, into some news this week. First off, Qantas has blamed wireless for some recent aircraft incidents that have happened. A mid-air incident that resulted in injuries to 74 uh, people from a sudden change in altitude uh, has has suspected to be from the uh, from wireless that was being used from inside the plane. Uh, they are saying that um, the, a number of passenger electronics are to blame for this. And this is not the first time that they're making these acquisitions. In July, a passenger with a wireless mouse was blamed for causing a Qantas jet to be uh, thrown off course. And it looks like this is something that uh, they're, they're looking at pretty seriously. Uh, you know, talking about precedent for uh, the wireless electronics interfering with aircraft systems uh, is really very, you know, very small. There's not a whole lot that's out there right now. And so in- interference with the navigational instruments of these planes has, uh, you know, specifically looks like it's interfering with the elevator controls, cr- control systems of these planes. And uh, so, you know, one of these, this is something that we, we've constantly, you know, talked about with uh, the the possible influx of in-flight calling and what that's going to mean. So what is what is this going to do for that you know particular industry if they can't even, you know, a, a low-power wireless mouse is causing issues with the equipment on the plane, not to mention a, a much higher-power cell phone? Yeah, that's, it, that's a little scary, especially if you're flying. Um, you know, you really can't control what device's output is as far as RF interference. I mean, they're supposedly approved and whatnot by the FCC, but that you know, that's no guarantee that the device actually will not uh, interfere with a, a control system. And uh, obviously with the, you know, planes and even cars these days are, are so reliant on computer technology to, to operate correctly, uh, you know, that, that you know, it, since it's, situations like this where the plane suddenly drops, you know, thousand feet and hurls people around the uh, cabin, it's not really that much fun. 
No, not that much fun. Well, and, and interestingly, in a, in a different story, Australia uh, is going to allow uh, mobile phone use on planes. Of course, these are, um, the, the, this is also the, the Qantas airline. And so they're talking about um, proposing an amendment uh, to permit cell phone use on domestic and international flights. It would be a trial period and would use the PicoCell technology for in-flight uh, talking. They were talking about both SMS and GPRS services as well, uh, that both Qantas and uh, V Australia um, have announced. So it looks like you'll possibly be getting this, but yet uh, they're, you know, in this, on the other hand, they're talking about the issues that are coming down with what this technology means. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, if they do start moving into, you know, uh, mobile phone usage on the planes, that they, they, they'll they have to invest in shielding of the, the cabin uh, better. So I'd imagine if they can mm-hmm. put, you know, uh, linings in, in, within the cabin uh, to keep the signals from interfering with the control devices in the cockpit and, you know, through throughout the planes, uh, you know, the under section and uh, upper section, keep these uh, signals from interfering. Kind of like a... Um kind of like a half of a Faraday cage basically to, to put up something. Well, you contain, you contain, yeah, you contain the signals within the, uh, the cage, you know, quote unquote of the, of the cabin. Yeah. I've got it, Joey, really big pieces of tin foil. I think that'll do it. There for we him. go. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we'll see what ends up happening with this. If they decide, uh, if they decide to continue on with the in-flight calling or if it's just going to be too much of a risk to the, the flyers. Well, the cell phone call is now 25 years old. Uh, October 13th, 1983, the first call was made from Ameritex president in Chicago to the grandson of Alexander Graham Bell in Germany. The phone at the time was a Motorola Dynatac 8000X. And if you're familiar with that and you happen to own one of those, you remember it well. It was the traditional brick phone that everyone refers to, retailing for just under $4,000. The service cost $50 per month, plus $0.40 a minute at peak hours or $0.24 per minute during off-peak times. The phone weighed in at a feather light 2.5 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Easily slipped in your shirt pocket. Oh, absolutely. So look how far we've come from the, the Dynatac all the way down to the Diamond. The cell phone has come a long way in the past 25 years. Well, a cell phone call uh, looks like was the, um, uh, what, uh, what caused a crash in, in Minneapolis. This is from the Star Tribune here. And, and the story really gets into talking about reports of distracted driving and how it plays a role in many crashes. And it looks like at least 15% of all fatal crashes uh, in this survey from the Minneapolis area between 2005 and 2007 uh, were a result from distracted driving. They resulted in 240 traffic deaths. uh, And then uh, as well, 1,163 motorists suffered life-altering injuries as a result of distracted driving crashes during the same period. So um, just kind of a, a public service announcement to everyone to make sure that when you're driving, make sure you're not preoccupied with something else, specifically talking on your phone, texting, emailing, whatever it is, uh, because it, it really is uh, you know, not a joke. You really need to be focused on what you're doing while you're in a vehicle. Mobile phones potentially causing skin rashes. Well, mobile phone users are 
could potentially be developing a rash on their face and ear caused by an allergic reaction from the nickel in the handsets, according to skincare experts. The British Association of Dermatologists has said that the phenomenon is being seen by people who spend long periods of time on the phone. And nickel uh, is the cause, as it's found in many handsets in their casings and their buttons. So not everybody is, uh, is allergic to it. It's thought that approximately 30% of the story comes from the UK. So 30% of the UK population has some sort of allergic reaction to to the uh, metal nickel. So what can you do if you're getting this rash on your cheek or your ear? Well, stop using your phone in the traditional sense and get yourself either a Bluetooth headset or a wired headset or take advantage of some other hands-free kit to help minimize the surface or the contact with the surface that may contain the nickel. Tower industry experts have said that they're expected uh, to not experience many issues with the upcoming downturn in the economy uh, from everything from contracts to just the, the basic need to increase the capacity of networks. Uh, tower builders are saying that they're not really seeing any issues with this. Now, Joey, I look at the, 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 econo- the economy as a whole, and as people uh, continue on with uh, what they're trying to do to cut costs and whatnot, um, you know, they're going to take a look at, you know, I've got two lines that I primarily have, you know, like a, a cell phone and a home phone. What's going to be the first to go? And, uh, you know, what do you think is going to happen with this? I think that's an easy choice. Uh, yeah. The landline is going to be out. Uh, there's mm-hmm. just no uh, question about that because, you know, even here in uh, my house, so we've got a landline through Vonage, which already was on the, the super discounted plan at $20 a month, um, decided to cancel that. And uh, they offered a retention plan of $5 a month for free incoming calls. And I think it was five cents a minute outgoing then. Um, so it's still it's still active on five dollars a month. I thought, okay, that's enough to have you know the the, the phone service here at the house still. But uh, still, I mean, that's the first thing to go. I mean, because the cell phone is way more useful, and uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's so much better to have. Oh yeah, there, there's no reason if in, unless unless you have a, a specific need for it, and there certainly are those. So don't don't think I'm discounting the fact that landlines are still necessary for certain things, but. The fact that we're implementing newer technologies, um, such as WiMAX, where they're you know rolling out this entire network of of new um, of new technology, they're going to still need to have additional antennas and possibly new towers based on locations and how they want to roll out the network, put into different places to fill the holes that they have. Um, but the technology is not you know stagnant; it's definitely you know rolling forward, and so I think it's they're always going to be work for these uh, you know for the towers and. Um, so it's it's interesting, uh, an, an interesting you know topic to talk about in in an economy that is going down. Yeah, and it be you know being mobile, it is cheaper. I mean, wireless is cheaper than landline because you not only don't have the copper to run everywhere, you know, you can cover such a large swath of land and population with just one tower. So it, it's a mm-hmm. it's a technology that that uh, it just makes sense on so many levels. And of course, you know, they have such long contracts and deals with the carriers that they work for. You know, their their business is probably very uh, steady and predictable. Yep. And we've spent a little bit of time talking about this because we're looking at uh, the possibility of an unlocked show coming up here in the future where we're going to talk to a tower expert about everything that goes into the world of cell phone towers, some of the issues and some of the things that, uh, you know, that go along with that. So we wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about this uh, story that came out this week and uh, 
know that we'll have a little bit more moving forward. On to the devices this week. First off, Orange has stopped or suspended the shipping of the BlackBerry Bold handsets. In an internal memo to its employees this week, they announced a suspension of the sale of the Bold handset, citing software issues as the reason. Uh, sounds like AT&T may not be the only carrier having problems. Uh, with the Bold as a handset. Uh, The internal memo stated, following reports of software issues across a variety of mobile operators, we have decided to act in the interest of the customers by suspending the shipments of the device in the UK, and we are awaiting feedback from RIM as to when an industry-wide fix for these issues will take place. And the the suspension uh, can be uh, thought of as an interim measure. So this is something, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Bold here uh, as we move on we get to an AT&T story here but uh, this particular device was one that RIM wasn't ever really planning on making uh, this was one that AT&T went to them and said hey we'd like this style of device this you know this 3G version uh, on HSDPA for us here and, and they put it together and it's just not working out real well it's it's have there's all these problems with it and uh, so it's interesting to see that, uh, you know, that they have suspended it. So, uh, like I said, we'll talk about it here in just another minute. The H- or HTC Touch uh, Pro, or also known as the AT&T Fuse Specs, have hit the HTC Wiki site. Uh, looks like very similar to what we thought of when we first saw this uh, phone got leaked out. Windows Mobile 6.1 professional device with a sliding QWERTY keyboard with five rows of keys. It's got a 528 megahertz processor, 512 megs of RAM, 256 megs of ROM. It's got a 2.8-inch VGA TFT touchscreen. And, of course, like I said, the full QWERTY keyboard with TouchFlow 3D for finger navigation. It also has the Ext USB headset jack, so no uh, external 3.5 or 2.5 millimeter headset jack. Frequencies are 850, 1900, and 2100 megahertz for the UMTS side, so there is US3G in there. And then quad band support for the Edge networks, uh, stating up to 8 hours of talk time. Bluetooth, uh, Wi-Fi, 802.11 B&G, and a 1,340 milliamp hour battery. So very similar specs, like I said, to what we talked about in the past with this one, but looks like they are now official, and we should be seeing the fuse on AT&T before too long. Well, the Trio Pro is a device that we, of course, have reviewed here at the Cell Phone Junkie, and we talked about how you can get it from uh, Palm's website for $550. Well, if you're interested in getting a deal on it, check out this link that we've got here from Dell. A $75 instant discount uh, drops the price down to $475, uh, no strings attached. So a pretty good deal if you're looking to save about 13% off the cost of that particular handset. The HTC T8290 got leaked out this week. This is a device that is uh, looks to uh, look to be the Touch HD until a closer look at it revealed that it was actually a WiMAX-based device. This is uh, destined for Russia's Yoda network. Uh, it does not appear to have the 3.5mm headset jack in it. However, we're going to get into this one in just a little bit. Uh, we've got some questions about it from some of our listeners. And next here, we've got a story from WM Experts about the Palm Trio Pro coming to Sprint. Interesting story here that uh, they found uh, through a DSL mobile speed test 
uh, search of all the records from all this tests that had been done. And from the domain spcsdns.net, which is the Sprint PCS network, they found the user agent of a Sprint Trio 850E peeking through here. And this is a very interesting thing that has been found because what this, I guess, means is that, however, they've got the 800W as the the primary Windows mobile Palm-based device. They're going to be coming out with the Trio Pro. Uh, What do you think, Joey? It's kind of an unusual choice, given the fact that we've got the 800W out, which basically has the same feature set as the uh as the the, the trio pro um but i i suppose maybe the you know the the nicer case design and everything will just be more attractive uh and probably increase sales i suppose for the for the trio pro on the sprint network yeah just to clarify that 850 uh num- numeric scheme is the same uh, known as the trio pro so if you have found any you know like flicker messages as an example uh, for photos that have been tagged from the cameras of devices, they are showing up from the Trio Pro as the Trio 850. So looks like some pretty solid evidence here that, in fact, the Trio Pro will be coming over to Sprint. So we'll keep an eye on this one and uh, report anything as we get more information on it. Okay, the T-Mobile G1 is now out there. There's a lot of people that have got their hands on it to do reviews of it. And T-Mobile is also stating that they have uh, 1.5 million of them on pre-order. Now, this information is, uh, it, it seems like quite the lofty goal, um, you know, or at least the, the information. And I wanted to bring it into perspective in that it was 74 days from the release of the iPhone, which is probably the hottest phone ever to be released, uh, that they've sold their first million. So take a look at at that number and figure, okay, at at least half that much time. So probably 100 days to sell the first iPhone, um, the first generation of the iPhone. And they're saying 1.5 million T-Mobile G1s have already been pre-ordered. So I really have a hard time believing this number. Um, not to be too cynical here today on the show, but I really feel like this is a, a little bit lofty. I think that 1.5 million G1s may be what um, have been manufactured and have gone to T-Mobile uh, would seem a little bit more likely in the first batch of, of those that they had manufactured. But I have a hard time thinking that that was what was pre-ordered already. So, Yeah, I mean, maybe the pre-ordering process is just so super easy and maybe T-Mobile is really advertising it within their customers uh, maybe more than maybe more than we know, but uh, I mean I haven't seen any mainstream advertisements for the G1 phone, and you know in the you know compared to the iPhone release, that I mean the marketing was very heavy out in the mainstream media for that device. So yeah, it is a little hard to believe that they've got that many on order. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look at that because they're going to be shipping out this week, and people will start receiving them. So we'll we'll see what it's like. Um, you know, if you're interested in getting yours, check out your your local T-Mobile store for the release, which I believe is coming up this uh, Friday. Well, if you are looking for a Centro from Verizon, you can get twenty five dollars back. So they're actually giving you $25 uh, when you purchase the Verizon Centro. A, an August 1st through October 31st promotion gives you a $25 Visa gift card by mail. So check that out. If you're in the market for a new phone, the Centro is certainly a good one. The BlackBerry Pearl Flip goes on sale at T-Mobile. Uh, this week, they announced for $150 after rebates and a new agreement, you can pick up your Pearl Flip device in either black uh, to start or a red model will be released in the next few weeks. Authorized dealers and T-Mobile retailer stores as well as the website can get your hands on the 8220 model. 
Walmart will be carrying the iPhone 3G, according to a report here coming up uh, this Black Friday. So if you're in the uh, market for an iPhone and you're looking to get one as a holiday gift for someone and Walmart is your your place of uh, shopping for this holiday season's gifts. Uh, the second in largest independent retailer in the U.S. Uh, will be carrying the iPhone. So check that one out because it uh, it's definitely a very, very popular phone and will be interesting to see how they go about activating it. Uh, so interesting. Yeah, it will be. It's... Uh uh, you know, Walmart's becoming really the de facto, you know, major, major retailer. So uh, I'm, I guess it's kind of surprising it took this long. Mm-hmm. And just a, uh, a quick uh, correction on that one. Two weeks before Black Friday, it looks like November 15th is the date that uh, they're reporting on this one. This is from Apple Insider. Well, the official Palm blog told us this past week that uh, the Centro will be spruced up on the Sprint network for the holidays. Two new colors are going to be available. One is olive green. The other is vibrant rose. Uh, they can be found for as low as seventy nine ninety nine, and uh, you can get one of those uh, Centros and the two new colors that are out there. And they also uh, have extra memory. So they're doubling the 6470 some internal memory to probably probably be about 100 130 megabytes of memory available. Yeah, pretty a pretty decent upgrade there. I think that'll be be definitely positive. Um, always good to have more memory, that's for sure. Yeah, and these will just be for sprint only. Yep, sprint only. Verizon uh, has announced the Crave, also known as the Motorola ZN4. This is a touch-based device and it features a flip design with a new touch user interface. They can interact, user can interact with the screen with the clear flip up or down. Uh, When it's down, it shows the media-focused menu, and when it's up, it shows the calling and messaging-focused menus. Uses a touch touch capacitance screen technology, has a 3.5-millimeter headset jack, and a 2-megapixel fixed-focus camera. Also includes stereo Bluetooth and EVDO Rev0. There is an accelerometer in the phone that will automatically rotate between uh, landscape and portrait modes as the phone is turned. And a micro SD slot also supports cards up to 8 gigabytes on sale now at Verizon Wireless for $150 after rebates. Looks like a neat phone. It's very unique. Very different yeah. than kind of, was it the uh, Sony Clie that had that little thing on it? Or am I thinking of a totally different phone? There, uh, there, there, I'm trying to explain um, how what that reminds me of, where it's kind of got that flip down screen. That clear flip over it, yeah. I can't remember. There was a few devices that had that. You know, there's been, I mean, even some Samsung regular handhelds had some uh, flips like that, I believe. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit different than something that you're that you're used to with that, but very unique. So check that one out at Verizon if you're interested. AT&T fired off four new messaging devices this week, including the Pantech Matrix, which is a dual slider similar to the Duo, and it has a 1.3 megapixel camera, GPS, and 3G for accessing AT&T's messaging, including video share services, for $80. The Samsung Propel is a square slider with 3G that can also access AT&T's video with a 1.3 megapixel camera and will also cost $80. The Pantech Slate is a very thin candy bar style phone with a 1.3 megapixel camera and $50 after rebates. And then finally, the AT&T Quickfire, which is a sideways slider similar to the uh, uh, to the devices on T-Mobile that have been so popular, the Sidekick. It will also have a QWERTY keyboard and 3G and will be $100 after rebates and a new agreement available in November. 
AT&T also announced the USB Connect Quicksilver this week. It's the smallest USB uh, HSDPA dongle in the world uh, as of right now. It is it looks like going to be um, available for, or can be used with service uh, on the 3G and Edge networks in 150 countries around the world, of course. Any of those that are part of the agreements that AT&T has can be used on either Mac or PC, and it is free with a Laptop Connect plan of $60 or more. Onto a Bluetooth handset here, the Southwing Bluetooth headset is a, a very unique one. The SH241 earpiece, when connected to an AT&T phone, will pipe the latest financial, weather, sports, and other information straight into your ear. Uh, it, it basically is a, a way for news junkies to get their information, as the AT&T handsets out there have the, uh, you know, the ticker on the phone that allows for all that information to come in, and it just streams it right from the phone up to the handset, so you can listen to it as you're out and about. Uh, it's available for $40 from any AT&T store. Altel has uh, announced the LG Rhythm this week, a music phone including digital signal processing, a graphic equalizer, an FM radio and transmitter, and a 3.5mm headset jack for regular headphones. It's got a 1-inch circular touchscreen uh, uh, below the main panel that lets the user interact with their music with a 1.3 megapixel camera, Bluetooth 2.0 with stereo, GPS, and micro SD card slot supporting cards up to 16 gigabytes. It will come in either black or white for $120 with a mail-in rebate and two-year service agreement. The Sprint HTC Touch Pro was announced as being delayed this uh, last week. It will not be available uh, on the October 19th, which was the original date of release, but they said that they expect a slight delay on the, uh, the launch of the Touch Pro to ensure that they have adequate inventory in all their channels before making the device commercially available. Customers can expect the device to become available in select national retailers by the end of the month and then in all Sprint sales channels, including Sprint.com, by early November. Well, if you've got an iPod or a newer iPod or an iPhone 3G that's not working with your uh, I- your iPhone, excuse me, your iPod connector in your car. We've got an answer for you here. Uh, this is a product called the Passport, and it's available through all Apple stores or through, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the name of this company, Shosh? Probably. Something like that. Uh, got a link in the show notes if you're interested in it. And it utilizes the female pass-through connector, which will attach to any in-car iPod integration system to charge all iPhone and iPod models, including the iPhone 3G and the recently introduced Nanos and uh, second generation of touch products. Uh, Joey, how does this one work? Well, this one, you know, we, we had talked about this on the show quite a while ago when uh, the iPhone 3G was being announced. They uh, Apple removed the FireWire support from the latest generation of devices, including the, the Nano 4G and the iPhone 3G. And what that did was they, they then removed the 12-volt power pin out of the actual device itself. So all the car connectors use this because, of course, vehicles are running on 12 volts. So the, uh, the, the, new, the new phones and iPods don't receive that 12-volt signal coming from the, car, from the car adapters or the car cradles. So this device basically just converts that incoming 12-volt signal line into a 5-volt signal line for the, what they use as the USB power charging cable. So it's just a little voltage converter. Yeah, it's pretty unique and it's 30 bucks. So if you're, you know, you've invested money to install this car kit in your car and you've got one of these new, 
you know, iPods or, you know, the newer version of the iPhone. This is definitely something that you want to check out if you want to use it with it. Um, and the other question I had, which I think you have the answer for this, is does this particular product then allow for uh, controls uh, of the of the the iPod or the iPhone itself because it does uh, utilize the different connectors in it, so you can actually control it. Then it through. should, yeah, it should pass all those signals through like normal. Okay, so that's very positive for someone who's who's looking to uh, to use their phone and hasn't been able to in an older car or a car that's got an older uh, iPod kit in there. So thirty bucks, the Passport. Uh, looks like the AT&T Bold will be launched on AT&T come October 27th. This is a boy genius report from an internal document, of course, where they're saying that the AT&T has, is ready for launch on the 27th. So if you are interested in the Bold, you only have a couple short weeks to wait here before you're going to be able to get your hands on it. And HTC has officially launched the Touch HD and Touch 3G at the uh, Jitex uh, conference uh, in Dubai, UAE uh, today. This is uh, the official launch of these devices, so we've seen a lot of information come out with them, but the uh, they officially have come out and said that these are available, including their 5-megapixel cameras, of course, 3G uh, connectivity, 3.8-inch uh, wide VGA screens with 3.5-millimeter headset jacks in it, uh, it looks like we'll probably be seeing some additional information on these for the uh, the American, uh, or excuse me, for the, the international markets. There will not be an American version of the Touch HD uh, come out here. But um, uh, if you'd like to read more about this press release, you can do so. Uh, but they are official now. On to some software here. The first one, Altel's PPC 6800 officially upgraded to Windows Mobile 6.1. They have finally caught up with the Sprint Mogul and Verizon version of the 6800 by getting their official upgrade. So if you'd like to download it, you can do so uh, from HTC's website, upgrading you to version 3.52 of the software. Konoma Play unleashed an update to their... uh, software to update number three. Uh, Konoma Play is a, a, a media uh, application for Windows mobile-based devices that uh, does a nice job of scanning your device and putting together uh, all the, the media on your, your phone for easy access and easy playing. Uh, the, uh, some of the things that have been addressed, you can now choose between automatic and manual scanning in the settings menu. An automatic scanning feature, even when turned on, can now be canceled um, other than the first time that the uh, new source, such as an SD card, has been inserted. And uh, a new scan command appears on the top of the media files of Konoma Play detects that any media file may not be up to date. Yeah, so this week I downloaded the uh, the Komodo Play free for the Centro, and what an amazing um, uh, update that that is. Uh, Komodo has been built into uh, the the Centro from the beginning as the uh, streaming media player that the browser launches whenever you try to launch a YouTube video or a uh, streaming website, like with a radio station, for example. Um, but the, uh, the, the Komodo free one now includes their, uh, their guide where basically podcasts such as, uh, the cell phone junkie are easily, uh, streamed and listened to. Um, it's quite a neat, uh, player. The free version does include all file formats. Uh, there is a, I think it's a 20 or $25 upgrade to get, uh, the upgraded version, but it tells you when, uh, you, the, the particular files not supported. So it's pretty neat, uh, pretty neat piece of software. 
All right. Well, also in uh, Windows Mobile stuff, the Sprint uh, Ace or the Samsung Ace from Sprint received its official Windows Mobile 6.1 upgrade this week, including GPS to support Sprint navigation and the addition of Office Mobile 6.1. The Android App Store has a kill switch too. This is uh, some information that I think people were wondering about, and that was how are they going to be distributing their applications and how is it going to work for uh, for if there are applications that violate any of their distribution agreements. Well, they are going to be able to do the same thing as the iPhone App Store does in that they will have the ability to kill any applications that uh, violate developer agreements uh, in such that Google retains the right to remotely remove those applications from your device at its sole discretion. Uh, it is vas- basically a, a way for them to control everything that's going out to these devices and making sure that you're not putting on any nefarious software onto your device uh, that they don't want you to have on it. So if that was one of your questions, there's your answer. HTC's TouchFlow 3D is uh, a very unique uh, skin that sits over Windows Mobile 6.1, and many customizations have been uh, released to be able to, you know, tweak things or change things, and uh, such as the order in which they are on the on the screen, or if you want to not have one show up or whatever. But one here I found was very interesting, and I wanted to share it because it's a it's a one that has constantly been a source of, of a little bit of pain for me, and that's that it takes a number of clicks to get to the communications manager on the device. Well, the folks over at, at XDA Developers have a Manila Com Manager tab that's now available. So if you are interested in, in uh, you know turning your Bluetooth on or off real quick, or maybe your Wi-Fi or whatever, this is a great. Um, extra tab that you can install there. So once you're in the TouchFlow 3D on the main screen there, you just slide over to this one. One click and you're right there and you've got access to all your comm manager stuff. So um, a simple install and uh, soft reset of your device and you are ready to go. Sling Player Beta for the BlackBerry is uh, almost out here. So if you are a BlackBerry user, uh, as I once was, and you're interested in using the Slingbox, it is uh, shortly coming here. So they first announced that they were working on a prototype back at CES of 2008. And a number of people who have signed up for the beta version of this for when it got released uh, have been receiving emails as far as uh, when, you know getting your beta version of it so you can test it out. If you're interested in this, check out uh, BlackBerry, or excuse me, sling, slingmedia.com and uh, search for the BlackBerry beta for it. I'm not sure if they're going to be still sending out beta invites for this or if it was just the ones um, that people had originally signed up for, but it's very uh, interesting and very exciting for those that like their Slingbox and use the BlackBerry. HTC announced Windows Mobile 6 upgrade deadlines. Uh, October 31st will be the last day to take advantage of the free upgrade to Windows Mobile 6 for the following devices. The HTC S 621, 620, 4350, 3300, and Advantage. So if you haven't yet upgraded your device, uh, go head over to uh, the link that we've got in the show notes here to download your Windows Mobile 6 update. Phone Technician from Hobbyist Software has been updated for the Palm OS. The Technician version is now up to 4.15, providing a wide array of options and utilities to improve the customization of your phone uh, beyond what is in the built-in preference panel. The latest upgrade incorporates a number of bug fixes and tweaks 
for the new features uh, that is support is the speakerphone, conference call shortcuts, and additional volume controls. It's available for a free upgrade for current users, has a free trial for those that are looking to check it out, and sells for $14.95. Joey, uh, I know you don't have this, but uh, what would you say about this one? Any recommendations? There's kind of a neat feature in this one where it allows you to turn on and off the phone at certain hours of the day. So if you do not want to be bothered by um, you know, phone calls in the middle of the night, you have it automatically set to turn off. So there's quite a few uh, uh, alarms and ringtone uh, controls in this particular uh, piece of software. Yeah, they've, it looks like a very, very um, powerful application for those that have the Palm OS. Beyond Pod 3.0 is a new version of a pod catcher for Windows Mobile. And Beyond Pod is a, a way that you can download all your podcasts, including the cell phone junkie, to your device um, you know, over the air. Beyond Pod uh, views now a new kinetic finger scrolling application, which or a feature that allows you to scroll up and down on the device very much like an iPhone. A um, improved support for VGA devices. And then when a podcast finishes playing, the associated feed is automatically marked as red now. You can now delete downloaded podcasts directly from the feed content view. Played podcasts have a slightly different icon to distinguish them from unplayed ones. Um, Beyond Pod will now automatically check and notify you when a new public or beta builds are available. They have added the option to create categories for the select category screen. And there is a new global shortcut to toggle between the podcast and player view. The Beyond Pod uh, is available from application is available from beyondpod.mobi for those that have Windows mobile devices and are looking for a better way uh, to download their cell phone junkie episodes over the air. Opera Mobile 9.5 Beta will be updated uh, this uh, coming Monday. It looks like they are uh, sending out an update here, and uh, you can check this one out uh, through our site. We've got a link here to it, and of course, through operamobile.com. Well, the uh, the questions and comments section here, I wanted to talk quickly about uh, one particular story that we've discussed earlier in the show, and that's the HTC T8290. Uh, and I've got a question uh, in a voicemail and then also a comment. So we'll start this one out by playing the voicemail. Hi, Nikki. Uh, I'm a long-time listener, and my name is Chana Pereira. And uh, recently I was doing some web surfing and listening to a show uh, found out that uh, Zoom WiMAX network was a- available in my neighborhood, and I ordered the service. Unfortunately, it's not in my street level, so had to return the device and did some further uh, investigation and found that HTC has, uh, I guess, developed a new phone for Sprint called HTC T8290. It's a touch HD type phone, and uh, uh, Ynex is built into it. Uh, I was wondering whether you guys know about this. And um, if you know, please, uh, I'd like to hear more about it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, Chana, thank you very much for the voicemail about that. So you want to know a little bit more about it. Well, I want to read here first a comment from Lenny. He says, Mickey and Joey, interesting theory I've put together based on several factors. Sprint and HTC uh, bringing an HD variant uh, in which Sprint will launch the device for Android. I know HTC confirmed that they had no plans at this time to bring the HD to the States, but if you, uh, if you look at their record... Uh, 
this rumor makes plenty of sense for several reasons. Sprint and HTC seem to be in bed together, and Sprint being the launch carrier for the HTC devices in the States, back to the release of the Mogul. It has been confirmed that they're in the works at Sprint Corporate, they're slated to release two HTC phones in Q1 of 2009. Sprint has publicly stated that they are planning to launch Android in Q1 of 2009. CDMA variants of the GSM HTC devices have always uh, have a different co-name than the original, i.e. the Touch is the Vogue, the Diamond is the Victor, and the Touch Pro is the Raphael. So to say that the HD is not coming to the U.S. is probably true and not true at the same time. True because the HD is concurrent, form will not come, but the CDMA codename probably will, and Sprint will probably rename the name it from the HD to keep with the convention that they've done with the other HTC phones. So these three things leads me to believe that Sprint will be the launch carrier for the HD or variant running Android. Every, everyone I've run this rumor past seems to think that's definitely plausible. So what's the here's the $20 million question. Will the HD also be Sprint and also launch with WiMAX? So that's where we're tying those two together. So thanks, Lenny, very much for your comment um, because it really kind of it, it, it is kind of interesting to see how all this stuff kind of plays out. Yeah, and this this particular device, uh, the one we've got the the link to, this uh, is a GSM uh, based device. So it's got the regular UMTS uh, HSDPA uh, frequencies built into it. So this particular device will not be on the Sprint network. Uh, in in my best guess, because I don't believe the WiMAX network at this point is going to be for uh, voice calls. So I'm sure they'd have to have a CDMA radio in there uh, along with the WiMAX radio. Yeah, it's um, it, it is going to be interesting to see because um, you know, like we were. Uh, thanks, Ch- Chana, for bringing this up because. It, it does look like this indeed could could be a plausible device for Sprint. It is, of course, uh, looks like a Windows mobile device, not Android. But um, nonetheless, who knows what it could be? I mean, there's all these rumors floating around right now. Uh, very little is looks to be confirmed, if anything. Um, and so yet we're talking about, uh, you know, some devices here. It looks like the Yoda network out in Russia is, is the network that's going to be getting this phone, or at least they've done a mock-up of it for what they're going to get. Yeah, and they're also on the 2.5 uh, gigahertz frequency spectrum. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a very plausible uh, phone to come to the WiMAX network uh, because obviously this is already out and it's a real device. So, and I know Sprint's going to want to get his devices as fast as they can out on uh, to the WiMAX network. So, yeah, this is a very uh, it, it's a very very strong possibility we'll be seeing this one. Yep, absolutely. So. Thanks, Chana and Lenny, for your feedback on those. Comment from Jeff. He says, I was listening to one of your latest podcasts today, and I heard you guys mention a cell phone with an ambient light meter built in and expressed your feeling about the Centro not having a similar feature. Well, I have had my Centro for a little over a month, and I found a great program, uh, for, or a lot of great programs for this little phone. One of the programs was an application called BrightCam. The little app uses the Centro's camera to read the surrounding light and adjust the display and the keyboard illumination accordingly. This app will also adjust the ring volume based on surrounding noise levels. I don't know if you've heard of this application or not, but I thought I would mention it. The link is here, and I'll put the link in the show notes. It says, I have only recently discovered your show, and I love it. I work at an independent Verizon store on the Oregon coast on the weekends and when I'm not working uh, for Garmin during the week. 
As for the Centro, I really like the, uh, the phone with the magnitude of applications that are out there, but the battery life is abysmal to say the least. I'm considering trading it back in for either the Curve or the World phone, maybe even the Q. Any thoughts? I'm a techno junkie to the bone, but because of this, the funds are limited, so only so much money for the toys. Keep up the great work. You have a new listener. Well, thanks very much for your comments, Jeff. You know, lots of different phones out there, but the Centro is one of the good ones. What do you think, Joey? Yeah, I think so as well. And I've got a you know couple of things here. I did try Brightcam out. Uh, I didn't like it that much. Um, obviously, the concept is great, um, but the the Brightcam, you know, since the camera's on the back of the phone, you know, if you've got it sitting down against a table, it thinks the room's dark, so it turns down the brightness of your screen, which of course doesn't always help. Um, I, I thought it was kind of slow in response, uh, and it was too slow even to really be useful. And then of course, there's this issue that it's always running in the background sucking battery life down and create you know making the device actually slower because it is taking cpu cycles so one thing you got to watch out for with the palm os is apps that you have running in the background um there's no way to actually see what you have running it's it's something that's once you install an app it may or may not be running in the background depending on what it's supposed to be doing and this actually could be really negatively impacting your battery life um, there's a program I recommend called uh, battery.prc that you can find out on the web and you can see what uh, the, the current usages of your battery. And when your phone's on standby, it should be around uh, 10 milliamps. And you may want to double check to see that you're down in that range. Um, you know, for, for me, my battery life, it does last me a full day as long as I'm not making a lot of phone calls and not doing a ton of email on it on the OEM battery. So uh, just take that uh, kind of at face value there for what I get for a runtime out of mine. And then uh, the the phone that we talked about with the ambient light meters, mostly those are Blackberries, are they not, Mickey? Yeah, the, well, you know, the Blackberries, and then also there's there's some other newer phones that have come, Windows Mobile devices that have come out that have got them as well. But oh, okay. um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a few that are out there, but... Um, you know, the Centro doesn't have it. So there you go. There's a good alternative, I guess. But I mean, like you said, it's, you know, eh. not the, not the best, uh, you know, if the camera was on the front, it would, it would work much better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on here. Um, question here from Rafi. He says, can you please talk in greater detail about this story regarding the AT&T bold? And, uh, the story talks about how the bold is a, really going to be very much overshadowed by the release of the BlackBerry Storm that's coming out for the Verizon network here in the next month. And, you know, I mentioned it briefly earlier that the BlackBerry Bold was a device that AT&T really wanted RIM to make for them. And it was not so much, um, you know, in, in their interest. They were looking at other different things, such as the Storm, and and really we're, we're trying to leverage the success of the Curve and the Pearl. As we know, those are some of the more popular devices that are out there. But of course, AT&T wanting to have a device that functions on their 3G network was needing something different than the, the Curves and the Pearls that were only able to take advantage of the Edge network. So enter the bold. Well, delay after delay, and of course we've seen it now that Orange has suspended shipments of it. AT&T looks to be maybe starting to ship this phone at the end of October here. You know, it's really been overshadowed by the storm, and the storm, with its capacitive touchscreen, uh, with a essentially a clickable screen for typing on it, looks to be uh, a, a very unique and uh, pretty uh, pretty exciting device for those that are on on Verizon's network. So, 
you know, what do we, you know, what do we think? Well, I honestly, I think it's going to be the bold is going to be for, for the GSM carriers, something that people are going to get just because they're looking for a physical QWERTY keyboard on a BlackBerry device. Uh, and they're looking for the next big thing because the curve has been out for, you know, uh, but what a year and a half, two years now. Uh, so they're looking for something different to upgrade to, but it is going to get overshadowed by the, the, the storm. I believe I, I don't see any way around it. No, but, you know, but, but, you know, the bold, you know, really actually has a, a very big, you know, physical advantage of having the physical keyboard on it. So, you know, it, it, it you know, the bold versus, uh, you know, the storm, you really have to look at what you need as a user, uh, a physical keyboard or a virtual keyboard. And a lot of people can get by no problem with the virtual keyboard, but I know Mickey as yourself, uh, the, the virtual one uh, may not be that uh, good of an idea, especially in a device like a Blackberry where it's, you know, primary function really is email. Mm-hmm. It's up. It's it's so dependent on the user. Um, you know, there are certain keyboards that function better than others, and, and virtually. But boy, it, it's you know, for those that are looking for strictly, you know, I need to do emails and lots of it. I still find I think a, QWER, a, a physical QWERTY is the best, in my opinion. Yeah, and don't let the novelty of a just a, a pure touchscreen, a phone, you know, sway your interest over to that because you know there is something to be said about you know a physical QWERTY keyboard. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, a uh, question here from Rob, uh, moving on here. Rob says, uh, if you have a moment, could you please explain the differences between a GPS, as in the iPhone, and GPS on a device such as the Tilt? I've never understood them. Uh, the differences between what A actually it means and what a true GPS with the additional enhancements of the triangulation from cell towers is. So uh, I am currently own the Tilt, and it, it has what I understand to be a true GPS chipset. Should I favor it over a device which has an A GPS in my next uh, device? For the same reason, or for some reason, I thought I previously understood a GPS to be a crippled implementation of GPS. Is that true? If uh, Anyway, he says, thanks for producing a fantastic resource that your show is well there's um i've got a great article here that i I sent over to you rob but i wanted to mention here and it's from wm experts and uh it is a gps versus a gps tutorial and it goes through the basics so we can kind of briefly mention these the basic definitions for a gps which means assisted global positioning system which of course then gps stands for global positioning system Um, So what's assisting what and does it matter? When you use a GPS system and you turn it on, it needs to find the data from the relevant satellites that it's going to use. And it it has what is recall, uh, called the TTFF, or time to first fix, how long it should uh, it will take before your location is pinpointed. Um, the initial TTFF is the cold start. On the Surf, uh, Surf 3 chipsets, it can take anywhere from 30 seconds to a couple of minutes to, require, to acquire that signal. The time is dependent on your location, the amount of interference, and of course, the horizon information. Open fields are much faster um, than, say, canyons or urban environments where buildings can interfere with the systems. Um, so there's, there's kind of the reasons why, uh, why it will take longer than in others. But uh, so what is assisted GPS? Well, uh, it is a precision location fix uh, for minimum of three GPS uh, measurements. It refers to how the network resources are used to provide the measurement of when only two satellites or less are available. So it's using not only the information from any satellites it can get, but also the assistance of the towers that are out there, which have a fixed 
point to provide the signal um, to the device as far as where they are. So Joey, what else can we add to this? What is the difference? Uh, what should the user know when using uh, these t- different devices? Well, AGPS is something that really requires the uh, the carrier to be uh, available um, in, in order for to do the processing of the actual position itself. Uh, you know, if, if you have a phone like this and you, you can't get, you know, the iPhone, for example, if you don't have an AT&T signal, I, I don't think you're going to be able to get a GPS lock. Uh, have you, did you ever get to try that, Mickey? Um, I, I, uh, the information, it varies by device and it varies by carrier and it varies by the chip that's actually in the phone. Um, but normally you will not have any sort of, uh, you know, position unless you have uh, a, a cell coverage at that t- point. But there are a lot of devices with full-fledged GPSs, you know, as I mentioned, like the Mogul and uh, quite a few others, you know, right now. And those you actually don't need a, a carrier connection to have the, the GPS signal. You know, I, I never really did try that out with the iPhone, but I believe your your assumption to be correct there that it would not uh, function um, when it's, say, in airplane mode or just out of signal. Um, so, but anyway, the, the mobile carriers have a very, you know, obviously strong role in, in how these work because they've got, um, you know, they're providing the information from the towers. And of course, uh, every modern cell phone, um, you know, pretty much seems like now has GPS in it, whether it's locked down to using specifically in, you know, 911 requirement or four nine one requirements or, you know, for the particular, um, let's just say applications that the provider would like you to use, such as the telenav service that are, it can be restricted to that. But, um, so basically, what are the things that you kind of need to know? Uh, a GPS can mean a variety of things, everything from nothing except for 911 access to it can really be even more accurate than a traditional GPS. And um, so when you're looking at devices, you want to figure out, um, you know, is it locked down? Um, you know, can it use the different assistance servers that can pull the GPS data information for where the, the actual satellites are to assist it with? And, uh, you know, take a look at that. So hopefully that answers that question for you. And uh, thanks for writing in, Rob. Comment from Darren. He says, hey, guys, I started to recently listen to your show, and I enjoy it a lot, especially the Unlock shows. I frequent Howard Forums, which is how I ran across your show. I'm a diehard Nokia Symbian S60 smartphone fan, and I'm happy to see that you've tried some of their phones. Recently, though, I decided I needed to branch out and try Windows Mobile again, so I purchased the Trio Pro. It is probably the fastest and most stable Windows Mobile device that I have used, but it took only four days, and I was already missing the S60 OS. I am happily using my Nokia E-Series devices again. I'm looking forward to your next show to see how your impressions of the Trio Pro lined up against mine. I noted, er, I, I noted with interest your comments on how long you can how you can't get along without your QWERTY keyboard. As you well know, most Nokias have the standard 12-key layout, and I have no problem typing on them with T9. Listening to your comments has led me to purchase the E71 to see if I was missing out on anything as far as the QWERTY keyboards are concerned. I found it to be a, quite a learning curve. It has taken me a while to get used to it, and I haven't quite made up my mind if I should keep it. I was just wondering if you guys had ever figured out what your word per minute was on typing on these keyboards. Typing on a T9, I usually get between 31 and 36 words per minute. I'm curious to see how that would compare with typing on the QWERTY, if I should stick with it and to learn the QWERTY, though. Uh, I am also curious to see how you like the Trio Pro's keyboard versus the E71. My opinion is that the E71 blows the Trio's Pro's out of the water, but that's just me. Um... I have never tried uh, really testing out my words per minute, Joey. No, 
I haven't either. That but but thirty one to thirty six sounds actually pretty darn fast to me. I I bet that's faster than what I type for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I bet it is, but I, I've not tried that. I'm actually very curious now. I'm gonna see if I can find a Palm OS app to test that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's some Web two point apps too that you can test it out on where it'll pop up something and then you just type it and measures it somehow. But um, does the letter I and does the letter A count? Does the letter <laughs> <laughs> you can do that really quick. <laughs> yeah a space i space a space yeah a. <laughs> as far as keywords are concerned darren i really think the e71 is um is much better than the trio pro again personal preference i like the bigger size of those keys um i just think they're they're a really nice size it was very easy for me to type on um versus the trio pro even the trio pro though i, I still found it okay to type on um but you know it still was not quite uh not quite perfect for me unfortunately um you know, there, that was one of the one of the downfalls of it. But certain people will will think differently. Um, you know, depending on just really depends on what you like. Comment from Greg. He says, "Mickey, I am pretty seriously considering the Trio Pro, but I wanted to wait to hear from you and others um, how you like it." For um, and uh, I plan to read the Alley Flowers post that you talked about to help me decide as well. Uh, I know you sometimes sell your test model phone, so I wanted to get on your list in case you decided to move on to the newest device. I am not sure I will be ready at that point, but keep me informed in just that case. The shows are great as usual. Thanks, Greg. Well, Greg, I'll put you on the list. Usually I, I either sell them on eBay or find someone who's looking you know, online to buy them from me. So uh, you know, I will certainly keep you in mind as I've got devices here. But uh, I'm usually very, fairly quick in getting rid of them because I don't like to have all of them stacked up here in a pile when I know that uh, they're just, you know, could be used by somebody else. Next one here, comment from Harry. He says, I was using SPB Wallet as a password manager. Uh, It worked really well, but to tell you the truth, the password manager for the BlackBerry was just fine and much simpler. At any rate, the price of SPB Wallet is very reasonable. So uh, thanks, Harry, for those comments. If you're interested in a password manager, he uh, says SPB Wallet uh, worked really well for you. So check that one out. Next one, voicemail from Michael. Hello, guys. Great podcast. This is Michael from Fresno. Um, I've got a question regarding unlocked devices. Um, I called in a few weeks ago regarding the Sony Xperia. Um, but my new question is that if I purchase a an unlocked device or maybe a, a phone that's not, that's not locked and I get it unlocked, um, I pay to have that done. Um, how do I know if that particular phone will work on T-Mobile in California? Um, I know there, that there are different types of phones that only work with certain kinds of carriers. Um, so, like for example, the Trio Pro, would that work on, um, on T-Mobile in California? or maybe even the Touch Pro, if I were to get that in an unlocked fashion, or diamond, um, touch diamond. So basically, again, the question is, when I purchase a device, how will I be able to find out if that particular phone will work on T-Mobile? Okay, I will look forward to your answer on the air, and again, great podcast, and keep up the great work. Okay, Michael, uh, real quickly here, how do you know uh, when purchasing if it's going to work on T-Mobile in California? Well, the T-Mobile service, as it stands right now, the, the regular Edge, GPRS, GSM, 
T-Mobile service is uh, 1900 and 850 megahertz. So if you have a device, an unlocked device that functions on the 800-850 network and the 1900 network, that's going to work for you for, uh, for that network. That will be just fine. And uh, make sure, you know, to, to, to check the device out, I would recommend Phone Scoop, Mickey, would you not, to, to see what bands that particular phone has to check whether or not it has which frequency bands you're looking for? Probably the easiest, and in my opinion, the best site for doing so. It lists it very, very clearly, very straightforward. Um, on the 3G side now, if you are looking for an unlocked device that works on the 3G T-Mobile network, I don't know of any devices out there right now that are unlocked that can work on this. The only devices that take advantage of T-Mobile's 1700 megahertz band are the ones that are on um, that are sold specifically by T-Mobile. Uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to buy like a Trio Pro or like an unlocked whatever. It doesn't matter. Unlocked anything with 3G unless it's from T-Mobile at this point is not going to work on their their 3G network. Yeah, and for a future reference, uh, if you do, you'll be looking for the 1700 megahertz or AWS spectrum on those particular exactly. devices for the support. And I've got a link here too. I want to. I want you to check out Michael. It's cellularmap.net/regions, and it will be linked under uh, your name here in the show notes. But check that one out. That will show you who is using the 850 megahertz spectrum in um, in any area of the country, which will tell you then. Which I believe in California, uh, they may they may well T-Mobile wouldn't. But if you're looking for someone else to just find out who is on the 800 800 spectrum, I'm now I'm that I'm backing up here. It's T-Mobile. They're 1900 megahertz primarily uh everywhere so okay now i have another question you know a lot of the gsm devices they, they say they're tri-band or quad-band gsm and isn't normally the phones that say quad-band gsm those are the ones that uh normally include the 850 is that correct yes usually okay. when you get a tri-band phone if it's an international device it's going to be 18 excuse me yes 1800 and 900 megahertz for international use and then the 1900 megahertz band because it, it's more uh, widespread here in the U.S. for roaming uh, as well as other places too. So, so keep, keep that in mind. But to make it simple, quad band is the way to go. If you're looking for an unlocked device, you'll be just fine with any quad, uh, quad band device if it's unlocked, at least for functionality, but still uh, no 3G. Okay, uh, voicemail here from Scott. Hey, Mickey and Joey. Scott calling in. I uh, sent you some questions about the Trio Pro, which surprisingly I just dropped in the mail last night to send back. I'm still on the unlocked uh, GSM Centro. Um, thanks also to Allie for her replies about the, uh, the PIM functionality. And uh, I would be interested in hearing you do an unlocked show about the PIMs that go with uh, Google Android <clears throat> and with Symbian and... Uh, what else am I thinking of? Uh, BlackBerry has something other than just hooking up to enterprise. So uh, thanks a lot, and uh, listen to, uh, listening again soon. Bye. All right, thanks, Scott, for that. Uh, return the Trio Pro. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I, I understand it's an expensive phone, and, uh, you know, I, I don't blame you at all. Um, you want to hear about PIM information that goes, goes along with the Blackberries and Android and S60. Um, we will certainly keep those in mind and uh, potentially talk about those in a future episode because you're right, we didn't really get into those all that much, just talked about Windows and Palm. So thanks very much for the topic. We'll keep it in mind for future Unlocked shows. Comment from uh, 
Bad Zed. This is from the Cell Phone Junkie uh, episode number 124 uh, comments under the post that we put up there. And he says, Joey, if you want normal Twitter on the Centro, you have to go the JVM route. Uh, if you have Java installed, the best client I was able to find is JibJib. It is a plain text uh, application, but it works for both sending and receiving messages, unlike MoTwit. Uh, works with the proper keys on the Centro, as in when you want to pull up the menu and press the menu key. It and does not have any weird screen refresh issues like some other JVM clients like Tiny Twitter and Twim. Hope this helps. Thanks very much for that comment. Next one here is another comment from the forums or from the post from Tan Kilo, and it says, I asked Joey about BlackBerry podcast download clients. He mentioned Berry Tunes and uh, Mobilia, Mobila X Player. Mobila looked like more of a streaming client, so I skipped it, but you can download a seven-day trial of BerryTunes uh, very easily from BerryTunes.com. costs $25 if you want to buy and installs in the Applications folder. You select the icon, press the BlackBerry key, select Podcast, BlackBerry key, add Podcast, name it, enter the address, and it looks like it grabs the first seven episodes of the feed and ignores the rest. The highlight, Then highlight the desired episode, BlackBerry key, select, and it will buffer, then play, either over the speakerphone or switch the output to a Bluetooth device. So far, it's got some, uh, uh, it's got some really good points. If you start, stop streaming a podcast, it gives you the option to pick up where you left off or start over from the beginning. This is an awesome, unexpected feature. The default volume is 50%, 50% of what? I'm not sure. But uh, if you change it up or down, it will remember it for all other podcasts. So you don't have to keep changing it for each new podcast. So far, it looks super easy to use. Just remember the standard BlackBerry advice. The answer to every question is, Press the BlackBerry key. Google Maps still works uh, Still works while it's playing. I assume it means you can still get email and text too. I started streaming the Buzz Out Loud podcast, paused it, then pulled up my Bluetooth earpiece I'd never paired before, added it as a new device, then went back to the podcast and selected play, and after buffering, it came out all garbled. I restarted the show from the beginning, and it sounded fine. If I remember which podcast you've added... You've added, so you only need to do this once. Problem, it will not prompt for authentication, so it can't add the pay podcast like Rush Limbaugh. Although Rush does not does have streaming audio on his site. We'll have to investigate that. Uh, while trying to add the Adam Carolla show, it gave me an error about a bad DNS address. I started messing around and loading the address in Internet Explorer, and it appears that something is going on over there. One page reach said, trying again in 24 to 48 hours so I'll do that. Well, interesting uh, comments here. Joey, I know you had given him some feedback. Uh, anything you'd like to add to this one? No, uh, thanks a lot for uh, getting back to uh, what your results there, since neither of us have a BlackBerry at the moment to actually try these out uh, to see what uh, what works for podcatching. Yeah, very good information for people that are looking to listen uh, to the cell phone junkie on the uh, on the BlackBerry. So thanks very much for that. And finally today, if you are uh, interested in not being the only one that's sending text messages, Kenya's elephants are now sending text messages to rangers. Text messagings, uh, messages from elf phones are uh, being sent out. They're uh, apparently big fans of the iPhone. Just kidding. This is uh, <laughs> a way for people that are tracking the elephants through portions of Africa to, to find out where they're walking um, it's basically, Joey, how does this work? They've got GPS tracking location on them, and uh, once they go out of a certain area, text messages sent, correct? Yep. Yep. Pretty yeah. basic, but but obviously yep. very handy. Yep. And uh, the Kenyan Wildlife Service 
um, is working on this. So <laughs> elephants sending text messages. Uh, very interesting. So if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call at 206-203-3734 or send us an email at questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. Joey, as always, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.